Okay, so we're in the middle of studying Oros Torah, and we are in the second parak. Last time we read the second Os in Oros Torah. Rav Cook in the second parak is talking about his unique perspective on the concept of Torah Lishma. Torah Lishma is a hot button issue, as we've spoken about a number of times, although we have some guests this week, Alumni Week, Yeshiva. Torah Lishma is a bit of a hot button issue in the sense that there is a debate between, let us say, the camp of the Hasidim and the camp of the old Lithuanian guard. Uh, the Hasidim believe that Torah Lishma means Torah for the sake of clinging to God. The word itself, Torah Lishma, would mean Torah for her sake. Probably uh, best understood as for clinging to the Shechina. You can't actually cling to God. God is an Eshocheles. God is a burning fire, which itself is a mashal. Hashem is not even that. But one can cling to the Shechina, to the manifestation of God in this world, which is uh, more or less the Torah fused with the Jewish people. Jewish people are the arbiters of trying to explain the Torah. The Torah Sheba Alpeh, without which uh, the Torah Sheba you know, would be nothing without the Torah Sheba Alpeh. That's not a thing. So the Jewish people who explicate the Torah Sheba and turn it into the Torah Sheba Alpeh through the study of these twins, these twin Torahs, the Torah Sheba and Torah Sheba Alpeh, a person has the ability to cling to the Shechina. And therefore, Torah Lishma for the Chassidim means Torah for, the sake, for her sake, her meaning the Shechina. Or, as pointed out in some Sfarim, Torah L'Shem Hey. L'Shma would be the Osios Torah L'Shem. Lamed Shin Mem. Hey. The Hey being the final Hey of Hashem's name, which corresponds to Malchus, which is a feminine attribute, which corresponds to the Shechina. It's a Kabbalistic idea, but nevertheless it's easy enough to figure out. We learn Torah in order to cling to God. And therefore, the, the details of the text are merely kind of like... Uh, there's something to latch onto that's supposed to, you know, catapult us into the divine space, trying to apprehend the divine mind. Whereas the Sefer Nefshachayim, which was written to kind of respond to this uh, basic approach of Torah study as put forth at length in the Sefer Tanya, by the Baal Tanya, and countless other Ma'amarim written by the, in the Kutei Torah and Torah Or, by the Baal Tanya and other tzaddikim. And the Nefshachayim in Shardalid has a whole kind of like section of his sefer dedicated to the idea of proving that Torah Lishma means Torah Lishem, the Torah. Torah Lishma, the Torah for its own sake, right? Meaning Torah is a feminine word itself also. So Torah Lishma means Torah for her sake, meaning for the Torah's sake. Or alternatively, Torah Lishma, meaning Torah for the sake of its name, because Torah means law, right? Torah in order to understand what the Torah is asking of us. Primarily the function of the Torah scholar is to study in order to understand the text. And that's uh, inherently a, a good idea because it is a divine commandment to do that. But your goal is not to just cling to the divine and meditate on the divine. One of the strong points that the Nefshah Chaim kind of brings, uh, which I've mentioned a number of times already, but it's, it bears repeating, is if the whole point is to just bask in the divine and to feel dveikus Hashem, so then just say Tehillim all day. Tehillim is part of the Torah Shabbat Sav. You know, and there's nothing like Tehillim, which is just like dripping with yearning for God. So why put your head into learning about, 
you know, all these different tedious details of what type of oils or wicks or kosher to light Shabbos candles in the second parak of Mesech Shabbos, which is only going to sidetrack you from what you really want to say, which is in Tehillim, which is, you know, my soul is thirsting for you. My, my, I'm heaving with desire for you, God. You know, that's like, so just do that. And so obviously, Hashem wills for us to understand the Torah. And that's obviously a very good point. And perhaps the Hasidim would, would admit the point, and they would say, yeah, of course, the goal is to fulfill the divine command of knowing Kola Torah Kula, but not to lose focus on that place. And Rav Kook, basically, who, as we mentioned before, mentioned again, that's okay. Rav Kook, who is the synthesis of these two worlds, his father was a student in the Vlazhan Yeshiva, where he himself studied. His mother was a descendant of Chabad Hasidim. And so Rav Kook saw himself as kind of the synthesis between these two worlds. And in the second parak of Oris HaTorah, Rav Kook here is outlining for us how does one learn Torah Lishma in such a way where they are not choosing one or the other, but they are doing both. Where the answer to, is Torah Lishma clinging to God, or is Torah Lishma understanding the nuances of the Torah? Rav Kook comes along and says, yes, yes, it's both, right? So that's often Rav Kook's mahalach, is to say, well, what's, what's good? Is it the, the new Jews who are strengthening themselves physically and building up the land physically and doing all this stuff physically, or the old uh, Yishuv that's keeping Shabbos and Kashras and Rav Kook said, yes, yes, we need these both, you know? And that's uh, basically Rav Kook's entire life was saying, yes, let's take, that's why his Sefer, is, his, his, his sefer here is called Oros HaTorah, but really all his Sefarim are called Oros this, Oros that, because Rav Kook was a person who was literally like a, a moth to light, but in Kedusha, was like a tzaddik being drawn towards the light in everything. If there was light in something, even if on the surface it looked ugly, Rav Kook entered into that space and withdrew the light and said, we need this also. There's an aspect of that that needs to be brought out as well. So in, the, in Os Beis, Rav Kook, after uh, explaining to us that Torah Lishma means, uh, I'll just summarize Os Aleph very, very quickly. Summarizing Os Aleph, I would say, uh, even though Rav Kook does not make this point, but I would say this is the best way that I can think of to summarize it. Um, and in the little commentary that I'm writing up on Oros Torah right now, this was the example that I gave, that the way that Rav Kook synthesizes this is Chidush Torah. When a person is mechadesh Torah, when a person uh, gives birth to new Torah ideas, which is predicated on the fact that you understand the Torah that you're learning, meaning that's the way of the Nefesh HaChaim. You need to know the words that you're, that, you're, that you're trying to be mechadesh within. You need to really understand the sugya and Kedushan in order to say a chidish in it. But at the same time, like Rashi says in Sefer Barashis, that when Adam and Chava come together, the goal is the Yula Basar Echad. They should be like one flesh. Rashi says, how should they be like one flesh? How can they be like one flesh? By having a child together, right? Because then you have Zerah from the man and Abetzah from the woman, and they literally become one flesh. They become this child that comes out of this union between a Zerah and Abetzah, and the two of them become literally one flesh. And the same thing is true when a person learns Torah Lishma, says Rav Kook, is that a person tries to understand the Torah, and Hashem reveals a certain aspect of that, and the person gestates it, Hashem being the man in the relationship, he gives the Torah Shabbat reveals something of his will, of his infinite mind, and then we understand it in the way that we're capable of receiving it, and we gestate that thought, and then we give birth to a new novel Torah thought, which there is nothing more intoxicating than being giving birth to a child uh, together with God. Now, we have a cousin religion that took this idea and went in the wrong way. 
right? That the idea that a person can create a child together with God. So, but we have such a concept. It's just, we do it in thought. We do it with Chidushe Torah. Right? Hashem gave us the Torah, which is the energy that Hashem is giving us to the world. And this is, this is Dafka. This is not, I'm not making a cute point here. I'm saying that the perversion, the perversion of this, of this Indian of saying that, you know, the Jewish people are not the chosen people comes from this idea that who do you think you are to interpret the word of God? And the reason why that gets misplaced is because they take the idea of being able to be in a relationship with God in that way, and that's the origin of their religion, comes from a different... They take that same idea, and they use that energy to explain the birth of this person as opposed to the birth of ideas. Well, suffice it to say that for a cook, Chidushe Torah is the way that a person can, A, understand the text, and simultaneously merge with the divine and have an experience of Dveikus Ba'ashem, and that way you don't have to choose between one or the other. So then... Um, in Os Beis, Rav Kook, and I just want to very briefly review what we said in Os Beis, and then I told you that we would uh, take a brief detour into two other places where Rav Kook writes something which I think sheds a lot of light on what he says here. <coughs> in Os Beis, Rav Kook writes that the Iker Limud Torah Lishma Ben Yonim Ruchniyim, when it comes to spiritual matters, like when a person is learning, uh, let's say, the more esoteric side of Torah, or a person is learning the Agarata, or a person is learning even the Midrash in some areas. So when you're frontally talking about Hashem and you're talking about spiritual matters, so then understanding the text is itself both, right? Because you are simultaneously understanding the text and you're also talking about names of God, like, meaning Rav Blau just sent me a, a passage from the B'nai Saskar that apparently you guys were struggling with. I told him that I'd leave him a voice message on the way out of the old city this evening, on the way out in a little bit, trying to explicate it for him, quoting from Rav Shimshon Ashtrapoli and from the Sefer HaPliya, which are, uh, which are always difficult texts, but I, I think I have what to, what to share, so I'll try that after. But um, when you're learning something like talking about different shemos of Hashem and different names of Hashem and how they correspond to different brachos and Shemona Esrei, like understanding the pshat in the text is itself already shooting you off on this rocket ship of Dveikos Bashem. Like you're talking about Hashem. That is the sugya. When the sugya is Hashem, it's hard to get lost in the pshat. But when the sugya, as so many aspects of our learning are, when the sugya is, what is a kosher sukkah? And what defines the parameters of the rishuyos in terms of carrying on Shabbos? And so then you're not talking about Hashem explicitly. And so it's possible for a person to get lost in that. However, when a person learns Torah Lishma, as Rav Kuk says, so when you're learning Dvar Ruchniyim, it's very easy to learn Torah Lishma because it just comes male. However, the more that a person dips their toes into that world of learning the Dvar Ruchniyim and therefore has access to this belief that Hashem is embedded within the nitty-gritty details of the Torah, so then when a person actually comes to studying the, the, the more, let's say, divorced from the divine details of the Torah, when those details are being studied, now that I already have had access to Hashem as He is in these higher avenues of Torah, so then I'm able to reveal the whole prat the prat. In every single detail, I could, I could pull out of there the, the hidden aspect of the divine that's, that's within the details of the text. Sometimes, last few lines, sometimes the person is only able to, like, they know it's there, they feel something in the chedre halev. You know, they feel some glimmer in the inner chambers of the heart. They feel something is there, but they, don't, they can't 
I can't tell you. I mean, they're learning Hilchas Shabbos, like they're learning Hilchas Kedushin, or they're learning Hilchas Yom Tov, or they're learning Hilchas Shor Shanagachas Apara, or they're learning whatever they're learning, and uh, they feel in their heart, there's something here. I know there's like something very deep here. I, I can't say what it is though. But and it, it, just knowing that there's something there raises the heart up to a to its to its loftiness. Somebody who learns this is what I told you we talk about this time. Someone who learns this is a statement from the Mishnah in Pirkei Avos. Okay, so Rav Cook here at the end of this kind of like a little s mini essay here. So Rav Cook says he quotes the Mishnah in Pirkei Avos. He even quotes rather. He says Kola Osik Betor Lishma. Zochel Dvarim Harbe. A person who learns Torah Lishma is Zochel to Dvarim Harbe. Va'ara Klalis Lumasa Nemar Velo Od Elishakola Olam Kulu Kadai Hulo. The Mishnah continues and says that not only is a person who learns Torah Lishma Zochel Dvarim Harbe, they merit many things. Okay, and last week, if you recall, this is the last bit of summary from last week. Last week, if you recall, I mentioned the teaching from Rav Simcha Bodum of Pshischa. That Rav Simcha Bunim of Pshischa has a teaching on Malo Ha'aretz Kinyanecha. Right? Hashem, the world, Malo Ha'aretz Kinyanecha, the world is filled with your Kinyanim, with things that belong to you. Right? Malo Ha'aretz Kinyanecha means that the world is filled with things that belong to you. So Rav Simcha Bunim said, there's another way to read that Pasuk, not as the world is filled with your possessions, Hashem, like everything belongs to you, but rather, Malo Ha'aretz, the whole world is filled with Kinyanecha, ways to acquire you. That is to say that when I walk around the world, if I'm a person who learns Torah Lishma, so I'm Zochel Edvarim Harbe, the Mishnah says in Pirkei it means like I'll become rich and handsome and famous and uh, I don't know, you know, Whatever, whatever other things people think are 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 worth chasing after. So zochet from harbi doesn't mean that I'll be zochet to a lot of things. It means that I'll be able to find Hashem in everything. I'll be zochet Hashem bedvarm harbi in everything, whether I'm having a bit of ice cream or I am going for a swim or I'm talking to a friend or I'm changing my tires or whatever. I'll be able to find Hashem in that place because when a person learns Torah l'shma, they are. They are uncovering the light of Hashem in that thing through, how does the Torah want me to relate to this thing? Like we spoke about in, in Os Aleph, the Or Haganos, which asks me not only what can I do with this thing, but how should I relate to this thing? And then, Lo Od, not only that, but a person learns Torah Lishma, Kol Olam Kulo Kedai Hu Lo. When a person learns Torah Lishma, the whole world it's kedai, the whole world is Kedai just for this person. Like the fact that Hashem created everything in the world all the different things that Hashem created, it was all worth it just so that this person could exist. For a person who learns Torah So I want to explain what exactly that means and try to see where if Cook uses this kind of language or where Chazal uses this other language or if Cook comments on it in two other places. Okay, it, it's also uh, helpful that we're doing this this way this week, even though uh, this was a 18-minute introduction. I tried to get everybody, catch everybody up and, and just to, so we know exactly where it is that we're going into. But, uh, this is also a standalone type of idea. So Rav Kook, as we know, uh, has a number of works. Some of them are written by his own hand, and some of them are coll- uh, collections or compilations that were written by his students. So what we have here is we have from the Sefer Enaya. Enaya is Rav Kook's own hand. These are his uh, explanations on the Agados of Chazal. 
super, super amazing. My first introduction to Rav Kook was to say for Enaya. And I would say that I highly recommend anybody who wants to get into Rav Kook, you do not start with Oros Hades or Oros Hadat or his letters or anything like that. The best place to start with Rav Kook is the Agados of Chazal. The reason for that is twofold. Number one, he wrote it a little bit earlier in life. So he wasn't as, you know, flowery poetic. He didn't really hit, you know, full full speed on, on his Mahalach and like drawing from everything. But more than that, I would say the more importantly than that is that you have like what to like to base yourself on. I Meaning he's running off of the Gemaras. So like you get, you know that what you're going into when you start going in as opposed to when you're just thrown into the ocean of Rav Cook's writing where it's like I don't have anything to hold on to. Here at least he's coming back to the words that he is addressing. So I would highly recommend that if you want to get into Rav Cook the best place to start is Einaya. So we are in Perak Rishon Os Chaf Gimel. The Gemara here is fascinating. Really remarkable. The Gemara says, and you can take a look up top if you'd like to see it, uh, the Gemara inside. Uh, let's see how many lines. It's the, t- it's the first line in the Gemara on top. That's what, right? The way that uh, Rav Kook wrote this sefer, which is called Ein Ayah, which literally means, anybody know? Well, yeah, that's what it stands for. Ayah is Aram Yitzchak Ha'koyim. Ein Ayah literally means, it's a pasuk, it's referenced in Eov, the eye of the Ayah, what's an Ayah? Falcon. Falcon is, a, is an Ayah. So Ein Ayah, and uh, it's a play on the sefer Ein Yaakov, the Ein Yaakov is a very early, famous compilation of all the Agados of the Talmud. Cuts out all the halachic material, just goes straight for the Agados. And there's a commentary. So first he did the work of siphoning out all of the Agados. Then he wrote a commentary on all the Agados. And there are other commentaries printed in the standard edition of the Ein We have an Ein in the back of the base Medrash. And so other people, like there's a Sefer... Uh, in, there's a Sefer uh, in Yaakov, there's, um, there's a few other uh, Anaf Yosef and Eitz Yosef written on, the Marsha has on, on the in Yaakov, uh, the Rashba has on certain pa- passages in the in Yaakov. So Rav Kook wrote a Sefer called Ein Ayah, playing off of the in Yaakov theme. So, says the Gemara, Amr Elazar Bar Avina. Elazar Bar Avina said, Certainly an esoteric passage, but Rav Kook is going to make beautiful paintings out of this Gemara. Listen to this. That which is said about Michael implies that Michael is even greater than Gavriel, the Malach. It says about Michael that one of the srafim, one of the angels, the fiery angels, flew to me. V'ilu gabe Gavriel ksiv, but by Gavriel it says, V'ha'ish Gavriel asher ra'isi b'chazon, right, the first passage is from Yishai, the second passage is from Daniel, Ish Gavriel asher ra'isi b'chazon, batchila, ma'of ba'ya'if. In other words, there's two lashonos of flying there. My mashma, what do you mean? How does this imply that Gavriel is less great than Michael. Well, the high echad be Michael ksiv, and by uh, Gavriel it uses a lashon of vayaif twice, right? Muaf vayaif. 
So, and the Gemara asks, my mashma to have echad Michael, how do you know that that echad, because all, all it says in that pasuk in Yeshaya is, vayef alai echad minasram. How do you know that that echad is Michael? So, Rav Yochanan said, isya echad echad. We have the word echad in two places, and it's a gzir shava. It says, vayef alai echad minasrafim. And it says over there, vihine Michael echad. Again, there we have the word echad. Minasram uh, arishonim bala azreini. So, therefore, we see, tana Michael vaachas gavriel b'shtayim. Right? Gavriel is able to fly from wherever he is to you in one flap. You know, he's very strong. One flap of the wings and he's boom, he shoots right to where you are. As opposed to Gavriel, it takes him two flaps. Okay, very esoteric. So Rav Cook says the following. This is unbelievable. Rav Cook says, first he quotes the Gemara, Amr B'lazar Baravina, God L'mashinem R'michal, down below you see, Yos R'mashinem R'gavriel, here I also have a, a thought. The completion, the shlemus of humanity, and specifically of the Jewish people, but really of all humanity. There's two different ways that a person can access shlemus. One way is through wisdom and hitfalsifus, meaning philosophy. Philosophizing. Until he could start to see the truth out of, by asking the right questions and thinking about things, he will come to see the sharp yeah, I'll come to these sharp uh, signs of the truth of reality. So that's one way. Okay, this is very much, you'll see, uh, there's, there's a strong notes of Breslov in this, what he's about to say. Vahabe is the second way a person can come to Shlemus. The second way to come to, t- to perfection is not through philosophizing in Chachma, but through Tmimus, by being simple, by being straight. Not by complicated proofs, but through quiet, almost, through simplicity. By not confusing yourself with so much noise, but through the straightness of the heart. And through that, a person can come to complete faith. And the truth is, we have these two ways, but it's also true that b'tzedek shavach b'kuzari as derech atmimus yosim b'derech hamechkar al pi The kuzari was right when he praised uh, revelation over philosophy. When he when he praised that which a person receives with simplicity. My parents told me this. My nation accepts this. Versus one who comes through mechkar, who comes through his own investigation. The Kuzari writes in a number of places that at the end of the day, there is no amount of mechkar that a person could ever go through where they don't have to at some point, which is why there's a famous Torah from the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh, that the Baal Shem Tov said in every tefillah we begin by addressing Elokeinu ve'elokei avoseinu. Elokeinu is this first way. It's through investigation. Elokeinu is my God. How has he become my God? Through my own questioning, my own interactions with this divine being in my life, 
and, uh, and coming to my own conclusions. He's my individual God. But then there's also Elokei Avoseinu. There's also the God of my forefathers, the God that I receive. And the Baal said, a person needs both. One without the other is insufficient. It's not sufficient to just have the God of my forefathers. You know why? Because the God of my forefathers, that's very good if I want to be very simple. But let's say I want to transmit that God of my forefathers to my children or to my students or to some guy sitting next to me on the plane and he says, why, why do you believe in God? They'd be like, well, my father told me so. You know, I see the relationship between my father and grandfather and I see the relationship between the Chavetz Chaim and God and my people have this relationship with God and that's the God of my fathers. Well, that's really nice for you, but that's not going to spread God's name throughout the whole world. And therefore, you need to have your own personal God, meaning to say you need to have your own investigation and your own relationship with Hashem. Now, the opposite is also true. If all you have is your own relationship with Hashem, well, even what happens, let's say you do have a a strong relationship with Hashem, but it's axiomatic to anyone who's ever been on this journey. I can only speak for myself, but I can also speak for the now close to... I don't know, 15, 20 years almost that I've been doing this on some level or another, speaking with other Jews who are on these types of journeys with Hashem. So it's axiomatic that when you go from one level of relationship with Hashem to a higher level of relationship with Hashem, you have a great crash in between, right? It's like when you're on, it's like, imagine there are different levels of relationship with Hashem. So when you're on like one level, you're spinning around on that level, you need to like stop the ride, get off and like get on the higher level and then like you can go on again. But in that interim period when you're transitioning from level one to level two or level two to level three or level three to level 10, whatever, whatever level you're going to. So there's that break off point where it's like you could just fall back down to zero again. And so what you could do is you could latch on to Elokei during those times when you have doubts, when you have, right? Or even if you're not transcending from levels, you're on one level, but you're, you're experiencing doubt, which is part of being in the world. Hashem created a world of doubt. Or other ways from the Das, and now we have a world of doubt. However you exactly want to look at it, but there is doubt in the world, and we grapple with that doubt all the time. And so when I feel capable of using reason and, and philosophizing in order to come to a deep relationship with Hashem, that's great. But when I feel like even great people do, when I feel that my faith is under attack, I could look back and draw strength from the belief of people who came before me and people who were not naive who came before me. I mean, I could, I could draw from the faith of Jewish history and from Elokei Moseinus. So the Basham said a person needs to have both of these. So the Kuzari says, though, but at the end of the day, the Derech HaTmimus has an advantage to the Derech HaMechkar Al Pi Now this is unbelievable. Look what he does here. This is crazy. What Rav Kook is going to say is that Gavriel is the Malach of Chachma and philosophy, and Michael is the Malach of, sim- of simplicity. Let's see. So he says, This is what Chazal are really trying to transmit to us in this Maimer. We find in Chazal a number of places that Gavriel is the one who is the keeper, as it were. He's the gatekeeper of all wisdom, and all investigation, all mechkar, all philosophy. Kidi'isa, like it says, kamapamim, like it says in a number of places, in Pasuk Sha'amar, yatsasi laskilcha. Gavriel is quoted as saying, I, I have come to enlighten you. Enlightenment through, through investigation. Uvein, lahavin bimara. It's all lashonos of, of intellect that are being expressed. V'kidomal is it. V'chein ba Gavriel amdu ayin lashon. This was just a few weeks ago, in the Parsha. 
right? That Gavriel is the one who always teaches people the, the Rashi quoted this a few weeks ago, that Gavriel is always the one who comes and teaches the Shivim Lashonos. Right? Gavriel is responsible for teaching the 70 languages to the tzaddikim when they need to be taught the 70 languages. Now exactly how that happens, I don't know how that happens. But the fact that Gavriel is the one who teaches the 70 languages, well, what is language? Language is the storehouse that has all of the wisdom and philosophy of that particular, of that particular language. In other words, the language is the key to understanding the wisdom of a particular culture. Since Gavriel is the one who is bilim over all the 70 languages, it means he is the one who is the gatekeeper to all of the world's wisdom. Man-made wisdom. Aval Michael who obeyed rak ba'ad ab Yisrael. Michael, by the way, the 70 languages, the Shivim Lashon, does not include Lashon Kodesh. Lashon Kodesh is a separate thing. Right? There's the 70 nations and there's Am Yisrael. So there's the 70 languages, which, which basically represents all of man-made wisdom. And then there's Lashon HaKodesh, which is the etzem of what something actually is. So Michael is the Malach over Am Yisrael. Who omed rak ba'ad Am Yisrael. Kibashikosov, ki im Michal Sarchem. Michal is referred to as the archangel of the Jewish people. Ki im Michal Sarchem. At that time, Michael will stand up and be the defendant of the Jewish people. He will pray for the Jewish people. Michael represents the prayerful relationship with simplicity and with uh, with Lashon HaKodesh. Imkain, Darko hu derech hashpas ha-tmimus ve-amuna ha-yishara v-advekos ha-nefesh. Therefore, Michael is the one who we have, ac- we have access to the wisdom that he's offering, which is really a simplicity, a faith that comes through tefillah. It's experiential. When a person prays, there's not wisdom involved. There's, there's what, you know, or Salvechik quoted uh, from one of Kierkegaard's friends. Kierkegaard had a friend who was a bishop or some sort of uh, a priest of some sort. He was a high up ranking official. And he came up with the ontological proof of God. <coughs> the story goes, so I'd like to tell the story, <coughs> excuse me, that this fellow fasted uh, some inordinate number of days, let's say 30 days, he ate at night, but he fasted for like a bunch of days and prayed and fasted that God should reveal to him the ontological proof of his existence. Meaning he didn't say the ontological proof, but he said, I'm fasting, please reveal to me proof, like a logical proof of your existence. And he would pray and fast and Kierkegaard found him like in the throes of his fast and said to him, you know, what are you doing? And he said, I'm, I'm fasting and I'm praying for God to prove his existence to me. And Kierkegaard laughed at him and said to him, Does a, does, does a person who's holding his lover in his arms need proof of her existence? In other words, you're praying to God. That's the proof of his existence. The experience of feeling God when you're praying, the need to reach out to the divine, is the proof of his existence. What do you, you're, pre, you're praying to God to reveal a proof of his existence. The prayer itself is the proof of his existence. Like, what greater proof do you need than that? 
Now, again, you want to run that through the philosophical wiring and you could come up with all types of holes in that. But, but why would you want to? In other words, there's the experience of this simple experience that Michal is offering of this relationship with Hashem, which happens when a person comes face to face with the divine, that doesn't demand all of the jumping through hoops that Chachma attempts to do in the realm of Gavriel. So what this Gemara is coming to tell you is don't be so quick to judge Michal as being not strong. Right? Because you look at a person who has simple faith. And I can tell you again as a teacher, there are people who have you know, been in my Dalit Amos who are simple, simple thinkers. They don't have so many, you know, they're not, they're not like big philosophy, you know, philosophy majors and they're, they're not reading all these philosophical and they have a deep, deep relationship with Hashem. And you have people who are deeply philosophical trying to prove God's existence and they feel so much more distant. So on the surface you say, yeah, this person who's like the simple faith person, that's because they're simplistic. It's because there's something about them which is undeveloped and they're just like gullible or something like that. And the other person, he is actually, you know, smarter and he's, but is he smarter? Because he's actually tricking himself into this realm of trying to understand something which is beyond his capacity to understand. Now, Rav Kook doesn't say you shouldn't do both. Rav Kook himself was a great philosopher. Rav Kook says, lest you think that the person who has this simple faith is somehow uh, just a gullible fool and there's no teeth to what he's doing. This way, which seems so simplistic, the way that Michal offers, which is, just, just trust me on this. Just trust me on this. As opposed to the way which is said by Gavriel, all these different extra things that a person needs to acquire in order to just get started. In other words, there's more wisdom, Rav Cook is basically saying, there's more wisdom in the simple faithful act of putting on tefillin than trying to prove this and that, all these different things, which just leads you chasing your own tail. Now, let's assume, like Rav Kook does for a second, because this is what Rav Kook is writing, that Hashem is real. So you have one person, right? The Torah is real. The mitzvahs are real. So Hashem is real, the Torah is real, the mitzvahs are real, these are all real. So you have a person who says, And he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. And you have another person who's sitting there philosophizing, like, I don't know, is it real, is it not real? So... On the, on the assumption that it is real, so the guy who's doing all these backflips to get to the place where he's going to put on tefillin one time is taking this long, circuitous, circuitous route. It's what the Gemara describes as what takes Michal two flaps, Michal does in a single flap. Michal is able to get to where he needs to get to just with this simplicity. And it's counterintuitive. That's why it's a Maimar Chazal, because it is counterintuitive. Because it's counterintuitive to say that the simplistic is somehow greater than the person who works it all out. The person who works it all out sometimes never actually gets there because he never actually gets to fully working it out. As opposed to the person who just at some point, and it doesn't mean forever, it means at some point after all of the philosophical investigation, it doesn't mean be gullible. It means after all the philosophical investigation, at a certain point, what you really need is you're always going to be, the person who has two flaps, you're always only going half the distance towards the goal. But the person who does it in a single flap is able to just go straight to the, he's doing, he's not doing half but he's doing the whole thing. Every time he flaps his wing, he's doing half of the, half of the journey. That's what it means. 
Right? Gavriel does two flaps. That means every flap is half the journey. But built into that system, even though it's not explicit in the Chazal, is that that second, half, uh, that second flap is also half the distance to the thing. As opposed to Michal, whose single flap is going from point A to point B in a single thing. Philoso- right? You understand what I'm saying? Philosophically, if we, if we map Gavriel's... So there's point A and there's point B. His first flap only gets him halfway there. Which means all he's capable of doing with every flap, is ha- philosophically, is half distance. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? It's a, Zeno's Gavriel? Yes, yes, with you. Yes. Gavriel was, was one flap? What's that? Gavriel's two flaps. What does it mean philosophically for someone to take two flaps? It means that I can only move halfway there with my first flap. Well, there's one way of reading that, that the second flap gets me the rest of the way, or it's trying to say something about the nature of my flaps. My flaps always only get me halfway there. As opposed to Michal, gets me all the way there. So it's okay for a person, I mean, Gavriel is, is right? Gavriel taught tzaddikim the shivim l'shonos. So it's okay for a person to be invo- involved in Chachman, to learn wisdom and to philosophize, but recognize you will never get there without Michal. Michal is the only one who can do a single flap to get you from point A to point B, or from wherever you've gotten along your journey from point A to point B, but never actually gotten to point B without, without Michal. Just give me one more second. The difference between this Tmimus Derech and the Chochma Derech is that the Tmimus Derech is something that comes from the inside of my heart. I don't need any texts in order to let me know, like Rabbi Nachman wrote in the first Torah in Sikh Saran, I know that Hashem exists. How do I know that Hashem exists? I could tell you things that make me know that Hashem exists, but you wouldn't understand. You'd look at me like I'm crazy. And the same thing is true if you were trying to explain to me your relationship with Hashem. I could tell you things about my relationship with Hashem that, that, would, that would boggle your mind, but you would also think I'm crazy and making it up. And I'm sure the same thing is true. You, you, you have a relationship with the divine. Your consciousness is not something that can be shared with somebody else in this relationship with Hashem. If you, ha- if you have that, if you met this, this way of Michael before, that cannot be given to somebody else. You don't need something external from it to awaken it. But, but wisdom and understanding, which is the way of Gavriel, is something that needs to be taken to you from the outside. Certainly, the perfection that arrives at a person from, from Mitoch himself is greater than that which comes, which he's borrowing from the outside. Right? Because anything that comes from outside of me, anything that comes from outside of me, I don't have as much a connection with as something which comes from inside of me. Right? Nobody, nobody, no matter what, any, any proof that I have, including this pastor's proof, the ontological proof of God, so go read the Wikipedia article on the ontological proof of God and you'll find that there's this philosopher who says, well, this is why it's not, it doesn't work, and this philosopher says, this is why it doesn't work. Any proof of anything can be counterproven or can be po- a hole can be poked in it because that's something that comes from the inside. But disprove this. I know that God exists. Disprove that. You can't. I know it. I know it. Oh, that sounds like uh, childish. Okay, but, but, but break it. You can't break it. 
I know it. There's nothing you can do to convince me otherwise. One second. This is for the Psukim. This is He says this is also Meduyak in the Psukim. It's not only that they fly one, but it says, He flew. Meaning, where is the flying coming from? It comes from him himself. He flew. But by Gavriel, what does it say? Vaish Gavriel Moaf He was he was flown with flying. Like it happened to him from the outside. We're not trying to make here, like, oh, who's, like, who's, you know, how do we rank the order of who are the greater malachim? Every malach does exactly what Hashem wants from that malach. These are two kochos that exist in the world. When the Gemara says that greater is what, is what's said about Michal rather than what's said about Gavriel, has nothing to do with the etzem, how great, where we put them on the pedestal, you know, like, oh, he gets the gold medal, he gets the silver medal, that's not the pshat. The pshat is that vis-a-vis human beings using the koach of Tmimus versus using the koach of Chachma, the koach of Tmimus gets the job done in a way that the koach of Chachma doesn't get done. Yeah, Eitan. This might be a stretch. That's the first piece. Can we apply the dichotomy of Bina in Chachma? How so? Uh, to this, like, understanding of Michal, and, like, Michal has a much more internalized uh, vision and understanding of the world, and Chachma is, like, penetrating rather than, like, already inside. I don't know. Like, I think I'll lay it down. It might, be, it might be, like, a really long shot. I was just thinking. I don't know how to say Okay, that's the first piece. Now, how did I get to the second piece? Because you may have noticed as we were journeying along this piece, the third to last line on the first column, there's the word michutz. And what does it say there? It says, see ola teraya, chilak beiz amud gimel. So I did. And then I found this. And then I understood what Rav Kuk meant in Oras When he said... Now, I don't know if we'll be able to read this whole thing. I don't even know if we need to read this whole thing. But we'll read the first paragraph for sure, and then I will make some general statements, and then we will conclude the class. The, so Rav Cook wrote, uh, in addition to um, extrapolations on the Agartha in Enaya, he also wrote um, entries in a sitter. He basically started compiling his own sitter. He started compiling it when he was in uh, Switzerland during the First World War. He was stuck in Switzerland. Uh, the two things that we have, the two literary outputs that we have from Rav Kuk at that time were Reish Milin, his composition on the letters and the Aleph Bays, and the sitter. Basically, Rav Kuk was homesick. So he went back to, you know, child. He went to, he went to a safety blanket, which was the letters and the Aleph Bays and Tefillah. I kid you not. Okay, so um, some of the entries in Olas Raya are from Rav Kook's own entries, and then occasionally you'll have within the same work, 
see where it says Olat Raya on top? Mm-hmm. Instead, it'll say Lakute Olat Raya, and that was added to, you know, bulk up the Sefer, added after Bayer Tzvi Yehuda and other Talmudim. And it goes through the sitter and makes ha'aras on the tefilos, the daily tefilos, Shabbos tefilos. So before Shabbos, there is a ancient custom to recite Shir Hashir. In fact, we have a chabura where I live in remote, where we learn one pasuk of Shir Hashir every Friday morning together with a few chevra, and uh, that's our way of being mechin for Shabbos because they need to study Shir Hashir before Shabbos. Some people just read it, some people study it. So if you're reading it, you can read the whole thing. If you're studying it, one pasuk at a time. You know. So. Before if Cook gets into his commentary on Shir Shirim itself, he has a few comments that are standalone comments based on Mamre Chazal about Shir Shirim. Um, Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva once said, this is a Mishnah in Mesechas Yadayim, She'ein kola olam kulo kedai ki yom shenosen bo Shir Hashirim Yisrael. The whole world, everything that Hashem ever created, was not kedai like the day that Hashem gave Shir Hashirim to the Jewish people. In other words, you could put the entire world and all of world history, all the days and all of the happenings of those days and all of the stimuli that are, you know, the neurons that are fired throughout all of world history on one side of the scale and put the day that Shir Shirim was given on the other side of the scale and Shir Shirim outweighs <coughs> Now, without reading the piece, what's he going to do based on what we just said? Shir Hashirim is the internal. Shir Hashirim is Michael. Yeah. And everything that we've ever experienced is all Gavriel, Dick, in its nature. Okay, let's look. There is a love that a person cultivates for God, which comes as a result of being in creation and looking at a rose or looking at a sunset and, pray, and being grateful for that, being filled with that just beauty. And to see all of the kindness and the goodness that Hashem gives to his creations. And then there is just something that is pulling the soul towards goodness, which comes from the inside out, as opposed to from the outside in. This love, which comes from the soul, the soul love, which is intrinsic to the soul itself, is uh, more precious and more beloved than that which is collected, nikletas, which is uh, collected, from this aspect of mitzios, of reality, of interfacing with the outside world. Therefore, the whole world, meaning you could, it would take you all of the different beautiful things in the world and those experiences of seeing the beauty of the world to get you just to where reading the Pasuk of Nishakeni Minishikos Piu Kitovim Kiss me with the kisses of your mouth. Your mouth is greater than the greatest pleasures of this world. So that is why he says we like things that come from the outside, things that come from the outside are fundamentally, <clears throat> I would say, lacking. Now, how does a person make sure 
let's plug this back into Arzat Torah for a second. How does a person make sure not to get lost in the details of the world and to not get lost in the philosophical, uh, to, to, to be able to appreciate the beauty of the world and to make sure that you could see the wisdom in the world, but to do it in such a way where you are kissing Hashem with the kisses of his mouth? The answer is Torah Lishma. That's what Rav Kook said. Torah Lishma, Rav Kook said, is that when a person descends, let's read those last words one more time. He says, When a person taps into that overwhelming feeling of the divine, and he's able to find that in all of the different practical limudim, every single thing, there is not a single object in the world that you can't say the halachos that apply to that object. These crumpled up tissues over here have halachos that apply to them. Everything in the world has halachos that apply to them. Therefore, there becomes this revelation of the divine through every single thing, a direct revelation. Sometimes you're so able to express it that you don't get stuck. Like you're able to, you're actually able to say like, yeah, I see how this tissue, you know, the halachos of these tissues is, wow, like these tissues are filled with the divine. Right? And sometimes you're not able to exact, exactly express it, but through studying other aspects of Torah, you understand that even these minuscule halachos that seem to be very tiny little details, like why is the Torah getting so carried away with this tiny little detail, that every detail of the halacha contains within it this light of this way of Michal, of the simple faith of Torah. Sometimes you're not able to actually express it, but you just know it. You feel it in your heart. The whole world becomes filled with a, pur- with, with a purifying air as a result of this. So I already explained that part to you. This is what it means when it says, someone who learns Torah Lishma is Zochel Dvarm Harbe. It means there's Zochel Hashem through Dvarm Harbe. Through anything, you could come into contact with Hashem. The more Torah you learn and the more you know, what does the Torah have to say about this thing? The more you're Zochel to see Hashem in anything that you're interacting with, any person you're interacting with, any situation you find yourself in. The whole world was fit to create just for him. In other words, you become your own shir shir. Through a person who learns Torah Lishma and begins to see the world through the eyes of Michal, which is this way of Tmimus, the, 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 not the Shivim Lashon of the, of the Umos, but the way of, of Torah, which is not Tarbun. The way of Torah, which is this way of simplicity, of Lashon HaKodesh, which is getting to the etzim of what something is, then a person starts to experience this Indian of Zochel Edvarm Harbi. They get to experience Hashem in this and in that and everything that they come to contact with. So we're going to pause here, Ms. Hashem. We'll pick up with Oskimo next time.